Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hop Show! Brought to you by Hopped LA. My name is Javi. You can find me online on Instagram at Javi Brews and on Twitter as at that beaner. We're trying to use it more often, though, with a name like that. You know, whatever. Anyway, hope that uh, this podcast finds you well. Um, you know, uh, man, everything's going crazy. The hills are literally on fire. Everything is on fire. And, uh, you know, L.A. Brewers are having a really hard time opening up. Uh, before we get to this week's show, I want to talk a little bit about that. You know, if you follow me on online or follow anyone that's in the beer industry uh, here in L.A. County, the L.A. Brewers Guild are fighting the fight of their lives, folks, for you, the consumer. Because right now, L.A. County is the only county in California that, uh, that does not allow brewers to party with third-party vendors and uh, party together and have our tap rooms open for outdoor seating and following all the compliance guidelines. It's a lot of nonsense, folks. So go out there, support your local brewers. Head over to LABrewersGuild.org. Check out all that you can do to support the cause because, folks, we're, we're dying out there. You know, I work with the Pacific Plate Brewing Company. I'm one of the brewers there. And we are, everyone is just fucking, I don't understand how this is possible. You know, you have all these restaurants that, I mean, these cities will close off, uh, full-blown streets to let these restaurants open but for la brewers we get buck kiss and that is not fair so check us out online head to, head over to labrewersguild.org uh, find out all the information that you can do anything you can do to support uh, your local brewers during this time uh, another way to support your local brewers is to buy some beer if you are able to of course Try to buy local beer anywhere you are, especially here in L.A. Try to find uh, anything that's local. Buy those four packs. Buy those crowlers. Whatever you got to do, especially from our boys over, boys and gals over at El Segundo Brewing Company. Now, folks, as you know, El Segundo is the powerhouse of IPAs. They have the Mayberry IPA. They have the baddest IPA in the United States of America. The Broken Skull IPA from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Can I get a hell Yeah. These beers and much more are available from ElSegundoBrewing.com. Uh, go to their website, go to their brewery, go to the uh, Slice and Pint. There's many different avenues from which to buy their beer. Once again, guys, support your local brewers. Okay, now that I got all that nonsense out of the way, let's talk about this week's show. This week's show is so awesome because I get to talk to my good friend, Josie Becker from Common Space Brewing. Josie's a badass. Uh, one of my dear friends in the industry, and her story is so fucking magical, and I cannot wait to share it with y'all. So enough with me talking. Let's get to the show. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite beer, and enjoy my interview with Josie Becker. Um, all right. Thanks, brah. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show this week, and we have a very, a very a very exciting guest ladies and gentlemen fighting out of long beach california she is the queen of hops the undisputed world heavyweight champion it's it's jose <laughs> ding dong hello everyone <laughs> i'm here excited to be 
on the Hop Delay podcast. What? what, what, what? Um, <laughs> Josie Becker being, of course, the brewer at Common Space Brewing Company out in Hawthorne, California. Trying to work on my radio voice, maybe. Because now we have this uh, really nice, like, microphone. I want to sound sure. real legit, you know. But anyway. You should, go, you should, like, go all in on Chalk Jock, and I'll do, like, an NPR. <laughs> Hmm, yes. Hmm, yes. Let me think about what you're saying here. Um, oh, yes. Um, Press agitation, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, first of all, Josie, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Um, this is so a little uh, peek behind the curtain here. We actually tried this like a week or two ago, and I screwed up because <laughs> technology and I are just not, we're not friends. We're not friends. Um, I, my friends basically call me, I'm an old man. Pretty much what's happening when I just, just lost it so we're gonna try this again and but you know what though anytime we get a chance with my friends it's a great day so anyway josie how are you uh, i am fantastic uh yeah things are great uh at common space uh things are great personally and uh yeah i mean nothing bad is happening in the world so <laughs> why would i why would i why would anything uh, negative be? Um, anyway, yeah, so, everything yeah, everything is completely good, normal, right? Great, <laughs> things are normal. You know, yeah. I feel like the the beer world has had to pivot on so many different angles on just how to like go through everything, and I think Common Space has done a good job of that so far. Uh, for you guys, like, how was it the process of sort of pivoting to? Going to okay, we'll be open outside. Oh no, just kidding, just to go. Maybe not to go. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How have how has that process been for you guys so far? Sure. I mean, you know, we're going back what six months now to was it mid March when the initial shutdown happened. Right. So like, you know, I I remember uh, that Sunday uh, I was with family. You know, COVID was starting to happen. My mom was wearing a surgical mask because she had a tickle on her throat and she was like, I just don't want to give it to you. And I was like, well, right. you're at that time. It was like, oh, you're overreacting. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. That was that was the mindset. Um, and she was going around like Lysoling all the doorknobs and stuff. And I was just like <laughs> ahead of the game. She was ahead of the game. She was ready. Um, and I was I was with her as Gavin Newsom came out and was just like everything is shut um and uh trying to explain to them like this is going to be this is going to be it like everything is going to change and having family kind of be like wait like so can we go to the grocery store like what what are we actually allowed to do and just having no answers right right no one knew no one knew what was going down um and then going into work the next day um and you know i think every brewery sort of reacted to that moment differently uh common space sort of like just hit the emergency stop and was like all right we gotta figure out what's going on um and just you know like everyone doesn't everyone go home and we'll figure we'll bring people back as we figure things out and uh pretty much that week um back of house scrambled to figure out how to do direct to your door service how mm. you know what could we do through the tap room um and, you know, for the first month of the pandemic, like we just sat on what inventory we had, put it in crawlers and I was doing deliveries, you know, mm -hmm. driving all over Los Angeles, my little 
a little uh, white cap and like hi <laughs> I, got, I got your beer delivery um and yeah like i think because we were like we we had the we are we self-distribute so we had the vans like right. we were ready to go day one um yeah like we our our territory was all of los angeles and we just like we were delivering to the valley and we we're going to orange county and we were doing like riverside weekends right yeah. like we we really kind of worked on like next day service being our thing um and you know that kept the lights on we started brewing again we started packaging again um which was all all great and then like as we're starting to get into rhythm right like we're starting to brew like normal again we're trying to package like normal again i mean yeah cans are going out the door right um and even then like you know most breweries that were like still producing are operating with like 50 percent of their normal revenue right like you're losing so much of what our business model is which mm. is small local things with a rotating tap system that you sell in-house and don't have to pay overhead on in order to like <clears throat> make a buck on that pint um and that was that was just gone so then you know we're all operating at like half revenue state says all right you can partner with a food truck we, you know, we're, we're ready to go. Like, we've got the whole thing. Our tap room is packed day one. Reservations mm -hmm. are, you know, we're doing our best to, you know, bring res reservations and follow all the little guidelines. And, uh, yeah, that lasted for, what, two weeks, right? <laughs> and then cases went back up and everything shut down again. So, yep. um, yeah, like, the pivot, right, of, hey, they're going to let us reopen. So we have to start taking draft again and then two weeks later oh no actually we have way too much draft now because <laughs> there's no need for it yeah um yeah it's just that whiplash of being whipped back and forth and like at no point are we going like this is ridiculous like we just need to like figure it out ourselves because you trust in doctors right you trust in scientists and right. they're telling us this is what has to happen and we're like okay we don't want to be a part of the problem um but it's just it's a matter of just like falling into guide, guidance right like right now there's this big campaign that the brewers guild of la mm -hmm. has going on i was about to bring that um, up whereas you know like we're the only county that doesn't allow uh breweries to partner with food trucks and do outdoor dining um which is which, frustrating like you know you go down to like a local you know old town area like a downtown um, they have like street closures that people and they have tables set up. Uh, people mm -hmm. can just eat and drink. And it's, you know, not necessarily normal. There's still the six feet distance and maybe a little bit more so. Um, mm -hmm. And people are hanging out on, like, on their tables. But I look at that and it's frustrating. It's like, why can't we do the same the same thing? It should be it should be a no brainer, right? Like every other county is allowing breweries to do this. A lot of breweries have large parking lots mm -hmm. or you've got a beer garden like we have the space to do this sort of social distancing eating and it while like even then like we're not back to 100 percent, right like we're right. still talking about like operating at 75 percent revenue um but like we're just in this spot with the service industry especially in la right now where like bars are dying you know like every week a new oh my god i know it's like saying every day they're not, yeah they're not going to reopen they're, they're operating at like 20 percent revenue right like they yeah. have, 
unless they have a kitchen, like a lot of these places are just completely dormant right now. Um, is it know, the death of the dive bar? Of dive, I I don't see how dive bars can come back. Like unless know, it's just like completely paid for and you like have a great landlord that uh is just allowing you to not pay rent this whole time like i just don't see how you can even like find a way to make the background right like we need to find some famous alcoholics and we need them you know you see those the, the actors that make like the the videos right of like the awareness or like they did that imagine mm-hmm. terrible imagine video oh my god why so why can't we have one of like a string of like six, I mean, drunks, dude, just fucking. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't just, think. <laughs> I know, I'm like, kidding. That would be we a were, terrible idea. <laughs> we were lucky enough to get a PPP loan, right? Like, and that is really the only reason we were able to survive um, when things were at their roughest. And mm-hmm. I know other local breweries have gotten uh, the PPP loans as well. Um, but like, that was the program that was the only program that they had for your business here's how you can stay open and that they did what two rounds of that and then now they're just done um and not to mention that everyone who's still on unemployment like lost their extra six hundred dollars right congress is just like up whoops we can't figure anything out we're gonna go ahead and take a break for like a few months well we'll get back to you (laughs) we're just gonna take a break no stimulus checks so like you know all the work that was done when like we first shut down and there was all the like you know help for service workers right and like lots of like soup kitchen situations hey Mm -hmm. if you're not getting your tipped wages like here at least get a meal right or you know all these things that we put in place like we're six months down the line and they're just they're running out right like if you got one of those ppp loans how much money that uh, how much of that money is still sitting around right no it went out It always yeah. does. I mean, you got p- people to pay for equipment. If you're trying to get that new accounting line to get to expedite more beer, I mean, there are so mm-hmm. many different things that accrue that you just got to spend that money on. And like you said, it's it's not enough. It's just not enough. And you could, you know, yeah, the restaurants are still open to a degree. And you know, I I, I can't imagine like what percentage like they're suffering through. But like, you know, they still are selling alcohol, still serving beer. So there are those sales, but you just cannot replicate those taproom sales. You just you just fucking can't. You can't like it's I I don't know if people quite understand just the level to which like the reason why there are so many breweries is because we can sell on site. Mm-hmm. Like if if bottle was just package beer and send it all over the place. Like, we would have half as many breweries, you know? Right. Because the only ones that would be able to survive would be the Fire Zones, the New Belgiums, right? Like, you can't survive uh, packaging beer and selling it just to your local market. Like, there's just not enough humans. Yeah. Um, you know, being a, a real production brewery, getting beer all over the state, like, that requires a lot of money and a lot of growth and most of the breweries in LA aren't at that point right like they're really dependent on a local community that wants to support them and find new and interesting beers um we can get into uh the we can get into more about that later if we want we're focusing right now on save our breweries which uh is certainly um the most important absolutely right like right now it's just hey are we going to survive and there's there's breweries that aren't going to survive this like there's definitely breweries 
that are going to uh, have to shut down as a result of just right. not and having it's, and it's so painful. Streams. It's so painful to see because I mean these aren't just you know I understand people go to breweries and they and they see like the tanks and they eat but they easily forget that there's not only a team of people but usually families that are this is their dream they you know mm-hmm. had a former you know a former line of work or something and they decide you know what screw it I'm gonna open a brewery and really through all the resources so for some people this is all they have and yeah they're in danger of losing that so they're gonna be just a lot of oh man sad people and it, it's it's every day it's another another brewery another bar is not opening up um mm-hmm. it's really frustrating because it's sort of like they're watching you know um our representatives the people that are supposed to be protecting us they're in LA County are allowing this to happen. They're allowing it to happen by their mm-hmm. inaction. And it's just so sad to me. Like why, how can you not help? Th- these are your constituents. These are, these are your people that voted for you. Most, some of them mm-hmm. like, <laughs> but they're also still citizens. And they does, I mean, we, we all deserve the right to make our business work and they're denying us that. For sure. And you know, there were breweries that were going under pre COVID, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, state, Went under pre-COVID, uh, Zimmergy, right? No. I, anyway, I, it's just, you know, our L.A. business sector of breweries has been going through a lot of growing pains in general. Right. right? Iron Triangle being sort of the, like... <laughs> the uh the canary in the coal mine of like oh maybe we can't just decide to be 60 barrel breweries right out the gate right um, right commons common space uh obviously like glass house situation right like a lot of people talk shit on common space day one because we open with these 30 barrel tanks and a 30 barrel system and 60s in the back and we were that brewery that had all those tanks that they never used i mean um, i remember the first time visiting i was like this is a new brewery holy shit like this is a there's a lot of space here like a lot of space um yeah so there was i mean we i heard it all of course we we had all the prospero equipment because we had our prospero sugar daddies and you know (laughs) like we didn't earn any of this and and the reality is like we were just we had a plan for how we wanted to grow and knowing where we wanted to be, like, didn't want to have to do a second fundraising round mm-hmm. when you're already, like, you know, turning and, you know, just trying to keep alive, right? Like, start with big shoes and hope you fill them. Anyway, uh, point being <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, you know, like, that's what our triangle tried to do, too. And yet, like, you know. That didn't work. And I feel like that was the moment when I kind of looked around and was like, oh, oh, breweries aren't guaranteed to survive. Like there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing backing the project. These are small businesses that are being launched by people with dreams, like Mm -hmm. you kind of just said. And uh, there's nothing guaranteeing that they'll actually survive. Like it's an insanely expensive thing to launch it really it's is not, if you think about it <laughs> of all the vanity projects like you could have bought a yacht right but right. instead you decided i'm gonna open 
a fucking uh, money black hole <laughs> manufacturing <laughs> warehouse that will eat money and the only way to make money is to spend even more, more money, money in this manufacturing warehouse like it's an insane thing for any human to do and yet here we are doing it doing insane things so here we are uh, one of my one of my uh friends just became a, a beer sales he's been doing it for a little bit um and it's one of those things that like it's sort of infuriating people are like oh well it's, it's just you just sell beer it just sells itself it's like dude have you seen how much beer is out there like it's not easy to and especially right now people are still drinking which is i guess hopeful <laughs> i'm not sure how to take that people are still mm-hmm. drinking but i mean people are strapped for cash so are yeah. they are they going to go for the $22 four pack from a local brewery which they want to support or are they going to say hey you know they can get like a freaking golden road 12 pack for like 10 bucks i i mean me personally would uh hope that people would go for the local brewery but um you know i i feel like that does sort of yeah i don't know the other side of this coin for me at least um and i'm only speaking for myself i am not speaking as a uh talking head for common space but speaking for myself uh, well, you are on a T-shirt, and you I, have your I, own beer there. So, I mean, <laughs> I, like, am I wearing the T-shirt? No, no, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm you on, checked. I'm you're on like, a what? T-shirt. I'm, uh, I'm on a beer. I have a beer named after me. Uh, we can get into that. Oh, we are. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, but I just, yeah, I don't. Know. The, the flip side of the coin for me is as much as I'm like, we need to, you know, reopen. We need to, you know, save our breweries, kind of stuff. Like. At the same time, we have to earn it, right? True. Like, I don't think the public, when you're talking about, like, do I get the Golden Road mango cart or do I get, you know, some uh, something local and fun, like, we have to make good beer to earn that human spending an extra 2 $3 Absolutely. on a four-pack. You know, Absolutely. like, I feel like as much as... Like, you can go to so many liquor stores now, right? And just, like, all of our local breweries are on the shelf. You know, mm-hmm. you've got you've got uh, an amazing amount of selection. Like, it's not enough just to be a local brewery. Like, it's not enough if you're, you know, if you're talking about some customer in Koreatown going to their local liquor store. Like, they're going to have everything from from Beachwood all the way to uh, Pacific Plate, right? Like, everything is going to be there. And it's, you know, it's not the time to skimp on quality control, right? Like, it's not the time to put out mediocre beer. Like, this is the time to really freaking nail what it is that we want to do. Because, yeah, that is a big ask. It's a big ask to have someone spend extra money on booze. It's a big ask to... Have someone remember, oh, yeah, like, Common Space has that Pilsner that I really right, like. Right. Like, that you're, you're going out and you're trying all these different local breweries, especially in the when we're talking about, like, actually drinking draft, right? Like, how many people walk into a brewery and they're like, I had this one beer this one time and I, it was good, but I don't really remember much about it. Right. You, know, you have a beer tender trying to, like, talk them through, you know, whatever random IPA they have them to drink, <laughs> right? But, like... Imagine that scenario in a liquor store with cans and they're oh just seeing a God. bunch of like random colored yeah. cans and they're like, well, I remember I went to this brewery this one time, but that's about all I got. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, 
you know, like building these brands, having these brands be something that people resonate with and want to return to, like that's got to be the other side of the coin. You can't expect people to just like. No, absolutely. Yeah, Branding is important. more than halfway. Yeah. Um, and you guys, I think you guys have a, a very interesting brand in, in, in very L.A. centric. Uh, I love some of the artwork that um, you guys have come out with from your, let's uh, say, the Fresh Pills. That Fresh Pills, that's you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Fresh Pills. Yes, Fresh Pills. Um, and then Josie's Wit. Um, when you're creating your cans, like how important is the brand to it like, when you guys are discussing it? Like, how does that work? Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've kind of see seen us go, go through two waves as far as can branding. Because um, I think from from the get, we didn't want to do, um, you know, like branding the brewery through the cans, right? Like, you know, some breweries, like every can screams modern times or screams mm. Beachwood, right? Um, we wanted to do, like, uh, we happened to have uh Kushal Hall as our uh you know brewmaster and his brother uh draws for Disney. Um is like part of like Disney's uh television uh side of the business. Yeah. Um you know Gravity Falls and all that. So um he did the artwork for the Aceer can and for the Random and Dangerous can. Mm. Um and yeah like the one of the big discussions was awesome we have this cool artwork like how do we connect common space so that people like see these cans and think about common space yeah uh so like the original idea was just a little bar at the bottom that said common space and it made all the cans look worse because (laughs) you know you can't you can't design for a random bar at the bottom right like it sort of made every design look just a little bit clunky Mm -hmm. um and so we've kind of pivoted from that and just more of a like have the artwork have an aesthetic that like while you might not see the full lineup and go like oh these are all obviously common space cans like grouped together like there's typically some sort of hand-drawn artwork on the cans right like there's some sort of uh just very almost cartoony feel to a lot of our cans and you know the the badge is on there somewhere all Mm -hmm. the information is on there but just as a series like i think the investment was in like do creative cans that focus on an artist and then hopefully people will respond to that. Like we'll kind of know like, like common space has those cool, like artsy cans. I used to, I love uh, the labels that uh, smog city put out uh, in their original bottles. Right. They had all that really cool, I love this. Uh, the saber tooth squirrel still to my favorite. Saber tooth squirrel, oh, so fucking cute. I just want to like, <laughs> even though it's scary with the teeth, I just want to be like, oh, right? I keep you and <laughs> right, but like that, you know, that was so evocative, right? Yeah. Or uh, even going back to like New Belgium's original like watercolor labels, right? Like those, you just you kind of knew it was a New Belgium bottle, and just from right. looking at that, and they just, you know, it invoked a certain mood. Um, that I think like craft beer was back then. And I think craft beer has pivoted to be something very different now. And so new Belgium's, you know, like the rest of us doing, you know, loud, uh, millennial, uh, <laughs> <laughs> type cans as opposed to watercolors. But yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I think the fundamental difference though, like, when you look at those, like those, like the bigger brands compared to the locals is, is that it though? Is because they have their artwork, but it's all kind of perfect and, branded and you could tell it's been through like 
six different quality teams before it gets to the final product. Like mm-hmm. with a local brewery, it's usually some artist that kind of drew it. And the owner said, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's yeah. uh, <laughs> fit in the scan. Let's figure it out. That's good. Put it on a wrap and let's. Because uh, I'm let's guilty of that. Like I definitely I'll go to I'll go to, uh, you know, I'll go to like, you know, craft beer kings um, and I'll shout out to Mo, by the way. If I ever go down there and I uh, if I don't if I want to try a new beer I haven't had before, I look at the labels. And go, you know what? That one, that one looks kind of interesting. Oh, is that Tiger King? Shit. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm in. You know, I'm 100 percent guilty of that. And it's worked and it's it's gone bad sometimes, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. Sure. I, I've actually had this conversation earlier today um, just in thinking through like, I don't know, like. Our industry is at this point with the uh, the fruited sours and the uh, mm. you know, post post fermentation. I was gonna bring that up. with uh, you know added in fruits and all of that. And obviously, like the exploding cans is one thing, um, but like you know, there's that side of it. There's the let's throw Oreos in the mash side of it. Yeah. There's there's let's steal IP and do a Tiger King beer. And yeah. Do, and do a Black Panther beer. Oh, I just heard like, about that today. <laughs> oh, but so blatant. I think it's a thing that we're divided. That division. Like, it's one thing if you do a parody, if it's like the outline of Tiger King, but it says like <laughs> Hop Exotic. I think it's a beer. I'm not trying to laugh. Uh-huh. I think that's one. But like something simple where it's up. Blurs the line a little fine, but if it's like just straight up the logo or like the straight up artwork of someone, you're like, come on. But I think you just hit on it, right? Like you're, we've as we've been saying, you go into a liquor store, there's just a wall of cans. Mm -hmm. How are you going to stand out? And like, is it easy to stand out uh, doing like some original artist drawing? Not so much. Is it easy to stand out when you've got? Fucking Tiger King. Because <laughs> yeah, you just saw it. A, a lot easier. Um, so I, I don't blame breweries for doing whatever it takes to, you know, get that bread, right? Like, you yeah. got to do what you got to do. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, is that is that craft? Like, or is that just, uh, I don't know. A gimmick. Is it just a gimmick? Is it just, a, are, are we... Are we actually putting something worthwhile out in the world right. by, uh, yeah, just uh, using gimmicks and trying to keep the lights on? And I'm not judging anyone right now, right? Like this is crazy times. Do everyone suffering? Yeah, but um, um, you know, I I feel like too often craft. I think this is what I'm trying to say. Craft um, mistakes weird or like attention getting for good and yeah. like, i don't yeah. i don't think that craft needs to be like artisan all the time right like we can be kind of goofy we have the space to sort of play around a little bit but at the end of the day right like when we're talking about oh well don't buy that macro lager like that's blah corn sugar and blah 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 it's like yeah. well <laughs> if we're not actually making a better product who are we to complain? Yeah. Who are we to complain? Yeah. Who, are, who are we to say that, that that is shit when like they have some of the highest standards mm-hmm. of quality control? They have labs. They have labs. People in lab coats. Looking, <laughs> they got scientists with test tubes. Yeah, just shit. like fucking throwing yeah. shit around. Yeah, no, it's it's very. You can't hate 
that's something you know when i first started in beer i was very guilty of that where it's like you know what fuck all that man fuck fucking miller light fuck all that man fuck it. now as like i've gotten into it i'm like yeah you know what shit's fucking quality it's it's yeah. perfect almost every time almost uh-huh. every time you go to any local brewery they don't get it perfect every single time some nail it but it's hard <laughs> to do without like sure. th- a three-story lab just like concentrating on the yeast or some shit like it's mm-hmm. just it's hard and uh they they fucking do it it's they really it. hard and you know you'll you'll see like you know as breweries have been joining with the the canarchy uh initiative you know right. seeing all sorts of different brewers making highlight and they always talk about just how the level of quality control and the level of like precision that they're looking for in these satellite breweries that are making their product right like that should be a given you know like if you're talking about if you're or you're coming up to me and you're asking like hey joe's like can you mentor me like you know like there's not a lot of women in craft beer there's not a lot of black people in craft mm-hmm. beer like what do I need to do in order to get into this industry? I'm like, care about the quality of the product more than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like anyone can homebrew, um, and anyone that's homebrewed knows that homebrew is terrible. Um, no one, <laughs> no one wants to drink. <laughs> How dare you, sir? That foreign stout I made in my closet above temperature was delicious. No temperature control. <laughs> Yeast death up the yin yang. Nothing ever actually ferments out. And then you go and you bottle it anyway. <sighs> and you add a bunch of sugar. And then you end up with some weird thing that, you know, tastes of your local water full of chlorine anyway. Yeah. Like, I I did it. We Homebrewing all did is how it. I end up in this industry. Like, I'm not <sighs> knocking it. But, like, that didn't prepare me for making work on a commercial system, right? At like, all. At making all. making work keeping it alive in a commercial system is about you know understanding oxidation it's about uh doing daily testing to you know see if there's any off flavors developing um you know like having the uh intestinal fortitude mcfoley to uh <laughs> <laughs> To, to to dump a batch if it's you know just not up to your quality standards right like if I and look I I'm not slamming anyone to say that I have gone to local breweries and had diacetyl bombs and it is gross and it makes me not want to go back do you finish it uh, or do you leave no, it no I, no I leave it Franny, I, Franny I, uh, yelled at me once for doing that. I had a beer. And I was like, this is a butter bomb. She's like, she's, she tasted it. She's like, take it back. And I was like, no, no, no. Let me finish it. She's like almost slapped the glass out of my hand. She's like, go fucking return it. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Don't yell well, at me anymore. I, on, on that level, like, yeah, I appreciate when people are like, you know, this, either your lines are bad or like this is gone. I'm like, I, I will right. speak up and we'll pull it. Right. Like that's. That's something I want to hear. I don't want to be serving uh, awful beer to people. And yeah, like these are all things that uh, cost breweries money, right? Like taking the time to do quality control, um, delays batches, it, uh, you know, pulling stuff costs you money. But it's the only way that we can actually you know live up to this ideal that we're doing something worthwhile that people right. should be checking out and quality like you said earlier i mean it's it's that quality assurance because you don't want to be 
that one brew that one person decides to try and then oh this is a you know like you said one of those crazy double fruited beers <laughs> beer is a living thing well what does that mean right and then they go home and then and then that's that's their one representation of what it is so now they're sure. like fuck sure. that i never had an exploding miller light on me screw it I'm gonna stick and with also- that also, why are you putting fruit into our already fermented beer? It like, makes it makes no, no sense. If sense. you want to be a juice company, be a juice company. Yeah. Go make Kern's Nectar. No one needs your juice out of a brewery situation. When I started hearing about that and like that. how how they would put it, I remember I think I read that on beer Twitter where someone was going to take about that, like how they have on the label, like, oh, this is living beer. Keep it cold, please. But they're still, you know, mm. it's still living. It's like, no, no. You're doing it fucking wrong. It should be like yeah. done. It should be done, and uh-huh. I should drink it as is. I don't need to. I don't need to worry about it. Guys are going off in my living room. Like, yeah, that's not. That's not. That is not uh, respectful to the consumer. Yeah, right? and it's like, so dismaying because then people are going to yeah. be turned off of it. Fuck it. I don't want to mm-hmm. drink that crap. I had a, you know, beer can explode and mm-hmm. had an all white carpet. Look at it. Look at it. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. No, that's awful. Don't do it. Please don't do it. <laughs> But you know what beer? Huh. You know what beer that doesn't happen is. Oh yeah, the Josie's Whip Baby. Uh, see that? See that? You see that thing <laughs> right there? That oh. that is a A plus level transition, my friend. That I, was so well done. Uh, talk yeah, about that so, beer because it is award winning. Yeah, it, let's talk about it. It uh, yeah. So uh, you know, early days of Common Space. Um, you know, it's it's Kush, me and Andy uh, came over from Beachwood, and uh, we've you know uh, those early like first like six months I'd say from the opening, uh, we didn't uh, name any beers. Like if you went to Common Space and drank on site, it was just West Coast IPA, Pilsner, uh, Red Ale, right? Like that was the idea because we were changing recipes so rapidly in those early days, mm. right? Like we didn't want to brew a beer and then have to stick to that recipe, you know, or even that hop bill, right? Like, or that grain bill. We wanted to be able to change all that stuff. So um, we were discussing things we wanted to make and I threw out, you know, I, I would love to make a whip. You know, I love Allagash White. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know, Blue Moon was one of my first. You know, obviously that's that's not craft. I you know learned later on, but like <laughs> that was one of the first. Like, oh, okay, you know, I actually I actually enjoy beer. Um, you know, I I can keep doing this kind of beer. So, uh, Kush was like, all right, you wanna you wanna white? Like, go write it. And you know, all I'd ever done was homebrew, right? So I'm like on my little homebrew app. Like, how do I make a <laughs> How do I do this? Um, and Kush like took that enough recipe and like you know made the tweaks to like actually make it work on a commercial system. And, right. Um, I mean, we still we have our little pilot system. So I like I went to Whole Foods and just smelled a bunch of different oranges, trying to figure out what kind of citrus I wanted to use. And mm-hmm. uh, blood orange smelled the best, so that's what we went with. And uh, yeah, that first batch we submitted to the California State Fair. And because we weren't naming anything, it was all just listed as, you know, the style. But for the wit, we submitted it as Josie's wit. Uh, just those Kush's little, like, nod to me. Um, and, like, that has always meant a lot to me. Like, I feel like we were kind of having a moment 
um, especially like right now with Bon Appetit and the way that like the scandal with them not you know paying their on-camera minority talent. That's crazy. Um, you know, we've got some local restaurants uh, being called out. Uh, Squirrels is mine right now, but like for you know, developing a brand and selling cookbooks and jam and all that. And then like on the backs of people of color and not giving them credit for the recipes that like make up those restaurants. Um, So like that Kush from day one was just like, no, this, this is yours. Um, And it was always sort of impressed upon me that like, I should be proud of this, right? Like this is, you know, everyone in common space refers to this as like, this is your beer. Mm. You know, I would get updates from the tap room, like, your beer was the best seller today. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, we got the results and, you know, Kush looked it up. I hadn't seen it yet. I just mm. got a text to say, congratulations. And I was like, yay, congratulations <laughs> for what? Because <laughs> your beer got the gold medal at the state fair. Um, and yeah, like that's my first ever commercial recipe. And then like to pick up gold was just incredible. Um, I remember Brent, our CEO, um, the guy who I've known, I've known him for like 10 years. He's the reason why I work at common space and he was just like, this is the proudest I've ever been of this business. Um, and that, you know, really, really, really meant a lot. Um, And we did it again next year, and it got silver. Um, and uh, yeah, we canned it for the first time this summer. So this is our third summer making it. Um, and yeah, there's Josie's Witten cans now. The can art's based on my tattoo. It's got my name on the can. If you uh, pick up a four pack from our tap room, there's like a very <laughs> gushing story about uh, what I mean to Common Space on the can. And right. I didn't, you know, I didn't write that. I just, Kush asked me what I wanted to have on the can. Mm-hmm. So just speak the truth. And he, he, he did. And, you know, like when we're talking about these breweries being dreams, right? That in a lot of cases are more than just a business, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is for me, you know, I first heard about Common Space six years ago. Like I was home brewing with Brent. And he was like, I think I'm going to quit my job and open a brewery. And he asked if I would want to be a part of it when it happened, right? And so, like, I I was around for investor tours and for all the brainstorming on what our name was going to be, what our logo was going to be. This, as much as this is a job for me right like i it's it's a paycheck it's grueling uh this is a part of my personality you know like Absolutely. part of part of me is in common space um and i think that goes for everyone especially in production when like yeah the entirety of uh yeah what we put out there is on our shoulders right like mm-hmm. we we feel that um we feel that weight every day and uh, I hope that comes across in, in our beer that we care about putting out a quality product um, to a, a really extreme degree. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <sighs> I've, I honestly haven't had a bad common space beer. <laughs> I've enjoyed every single one I've had there. I love going to that spot. Um, haven't tried your beer because I'm a fucking jerk, but I will get it. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I gotta get it. But I'm gonna get it. 
Um, yeah. But is it is it still like for you? Is it a trip every time you go to a store? If you go to one that's carrying it and you see your can, is that like, whoa? I mean, it's definitely cool, right? Like I get texts from family and friends, right? Oh, you know, I found your beer in Orange. Oh, I found your that's beer. So cool. You know, you know, wherever the fuck. Um, you know, that, that <laughs> first week, my mom's like buying a case. I'm like, mom, you don't even drink. She's like, ah, oh, but it's, it's you. You're on the can, right? <laughs> you know, I, that's I, sweet. I, I attended, uh, you know, uh, UC Berkeley up in NorCal, um, and so I had a lot of friends up there. Like, we're shipping statewide. Uh, next day uh, with cold packs, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really awesome speaks to our uh yeah i mean it costs us more an investment and it definitely costs more to ship but like that was important to us right that like the beer never was sitting outside 80 degrees in sacramento right, right? you like, always worry i always worry about that <laughs> yeah so um you know i had a lot of friends from berkeley like send me photos they mm. bought a case and had it shipped up there you know like that that meant so much right like that's mm. just that's affirmation that I'm doing something that like I'm resonating with. And then that makes the product resonate with other people. Right. Um, and yeah, like it's, I've gotten to do a few other beers. Like right now our, our pale ale, a familiar friend is the result of, uh, me speaking up and, uh, and we were gonna we were gonna kill it as a style like we weren't gonna have it as a year round thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had just done our pink boots beer, um, and it was a pale, and I thought it was really good. And I was like, why don't we just try and tweak this into being more like a traditional pale and yeah. you know, keep the brand on? So that like I have a lot of pride in seeing that still like being a thing and around. And one of our flagship beers now, uh, and yeah, like. It's a few others that I could probably you know, tell stories about right. being involved in the uh, development. Our, our uh, Black Lives Matter beer that went out uh, last month was our uh, fastest selling beer ever as a mm-hmm. company. Um, and, you know, they asked me to write the recipe as, you know, an African-American uh, human. And, uh, yeah, like that is really cool that they keep coming back to to me and to everyone in production and sort of like asking, you know, Hey, this is all of us, right? Like, it's not just the, uh, the Kushal Hall show. Um, right. You know, what do we, what do we want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it doesn't have to be that way. It's not that way at every brewery. So it's always meant a lot. Tell us a little bit about the black is beautiful beer. Uh, I mean, I, I know there was like, there was a universal recipe that one followed. Did you mm-hmm. adhere to it? Did you kind of tweak it a little bit to kind of make it your own? What, what did you end up doing with it? Yeah, so our black is beautiful. We did it on the small system, and we did, like, a pretty run-of-the-mill stout. I mean, that's not to, like, knock it down, but it's just, like, we, we did no, we just a stout. good, solid stout. We did, we did a stout. Um, but we did a separate beer on our the 30-barrel system that was just called uh, Cake Action, mm. um, and with a portion of the proceeds uh, going back to Black Lives Matter in Los Angeles. Um, and that was an all citra IPA. I remember that Um, one. And yeah, like learning, learning, yeah. just how to put that kind of thing together, right? Like how do you do a single hop IPA that still has nuance and balance and, you know, what different things can we do with the hop? You know, what, what, 
part of the brew? Are we adding hops in order to get like different mm-hmm. characteristics out of them? And how are we going to dry hop it? Right? Like, I yeah, getting to be a part of rant recipe and learning that kind of stuff is mm-hmm. uh, it's really awesome. Does it uh, does it bother you when you see some of these other breweries like take artwork, you know, involving people of color and kind of mm-hmm. appropriating it, you know, to sell cans, but then don't give like anything to charity? They just kind of put the label on. Like I think you saw today, like we were talking about earlier, the uh, the Black Panther artwork that came out today. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the brewery even said whatever whoever made it. I don't think they even announced that they were gonna kind of give anything to charity. Like, does that kind of bother you mm-hmm. a little bit? Absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, with our Black Lives Matter beer, with, with Take Action, you know, we, we uh, hired a local black artist and had her do artwork for the can. Um, like, we, we are obviously giving money to BLMLA, and that was really important. Um, you know, right now we're in this uh, very heightened moment as far as race relations go in the U.S., right? Um, and for a lot of people, it can be hard to know what to do, right? right. Like there are, you can, you, you can go and you can march, you can, you know, there's all sorts of different charitable things that you can do. Um, and breweries, I feel like, um, want to be a part of the conversation. Like, you know, they want to brew black lives matter or black is beautiful, right? They want to be a part of the conversation, but then like, that's not enough, right? Like, especially if you're a brewery that just put up the black square on that one day and mm-hmm. then haven't brought up anything since, um, you know, like there are, there are organizations that you can join and, you know, pledge to be better about, uh, having your place be equitable for minorities and having, um, you know, a plan for how you're going to hire more people in your communities. Um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, if you're a brewery in Los Angeles and you're not hiring uh, black and brown people, uh, I have legitimate questions about um, it's what impossible. is it you're, what, yeah, it's, what are you looking for in a candidate? It's when, statistically like, yeah, impossible. <laughs> it's statistically like. impossible for you not to hire uh, different looking humans in a plurality, right? Like LA doesn't have a majority. There is no excuse Right. for having a bunch of white dudes and beards uh, as your entire staff. Um, and, but there are definitely breweries in L.A. where like that is the case. Mm. Um, and yet, like, these are breweries that exist in minority neighborhoods because that's where the rent is cheap, right? Like, that sort of uh, cognitive dissonance, that's what I'm looking for, that sort of just uh, inability to see that if you're going to claim to be about a community, you have to actually represent that community and know what that community needs and follow um, through and follow through. Right. Like if you're, if you're saying like, we're about giving jobs to, uh, and we're about creating jobs. Like that's what we, the value we bring as, as, uh, you know, manufacturing business in this community, like you can't just import a bunch of hipsters from around the city then. Like right. you have to hire from that community, uh, and that's something. That's another thing that when I go into a brewery, like I look for, I want to see that diversity. I want to see that you actually care about uh, the message beyond the black square, beyond brewing. Mm-hmm. Black is beautiful, right? Um, 
yeah, it's a tough time to uh, be anyone uh, right now, and especially uh, black people right now. It's you know, it seems like every week there's a new video of yeah. someone being uh, murdered by the police. Like that's there's really no way of saying it. Right. Uh, so yeah, if you're gonna step up, step up. Like that's the only real way to do it. Um, and if you're just going to play lip service and if you're going to, uh, put, you know, WAP on cans or you're gonna, you know, use <laughs> uh, black culture to sell your beer, like, yeah, just acknowledge, right? Like just have a little bit of humility and understand like you're making money off of, uh, someone else's culture and Mm -hmm. you should you know rethink your choices have some responsibility have some responsibility man because if there's any community that could use a shout out right now it's black america right like we're going through some shit yeah it's like you said it's a rough time out there for everybody and you know i just wish some of these breweries like would kind of have the hindsight go yeah you know what like yeah, it's a tough time, but we also have to help out our communities because at the end of the day, without our, our communities, we wouldn't we wouldn't exist. It's we wouldn't a, exist, and like how you know how many breweries are getting tax breaks from the local community, right? Yeah. How many breweries are you know getting really great rent because places just wanted to turn over to these old warehouses and have them be lively again and solve them yeah. as anchors for a community redeveloping and changing. Like, if you're going to be a part of that, be a part of that. Don't be aloof from that. Right. Um, you know, I, I know the downtown breweries had a lot of pushback, right, from local communities that felt like this was uh, gentrification mm-hmm. of, of, their, of, their, uh, of their community. And the only way to uh, fight back against that label, right, like if you're not a gentrifier, uh, don't be a gentrifier. Like that's yeah. The only hire, hire people that are local. Yeah. You know? That's the only way. Otherwise, you're just bring, giving jobs to other people outside of the city. And it doesn't help anybody. No. And, and especially in production, right? Like, it's so easy. Oh, yeah. to be like, oh, well, we need to get the talent. We need people that like have this experience or that experience. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how many keg washers have ended up running breweries, right? Like, shout out Devin. Um, but like, you know, like that's a path that requires privilege, right? Like you have to have a certain amount of privilege to say, I will wash kegs for free. Like Mm -hmm. you can't do that. And if you're starving, yeah, yeah, you're starving and, or you're supporting your family, right? Like that's not an option. Um, yeah. When I hear those stories, I'm like, what you did, you just, (laughs) you just worked for free. I couldn't afford that. You had your mind. (laughs) What? It's, it's. It, it comes from privilege. It's the only, you know, either, you know, you're, you've lived long enough that you have savings or you just, you know, you come from a family where you can, you know, I will freely admit that, you know, I could not have taken what common space offered me to, at the start if I weren't living with family, right? Like that was yeah. the way it worked out. Um, and that, that's the privilege, right? That was, I was privileged enough to, to live in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, having having jobs to offer that can actually pay the bills for the people that live in your community. Right. Like that's got to be important, too. Right. Like or in the beer industry in general. 
Yeah, so I'm like, we're we saw this week with uh, God, what is the one back east that tried to unionize? Oh, then, like, oh that's the right. Next day, that's right. The next day, they they announced that they're closing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just to squash like, it. Just to squash it, right? Like crazy. I, 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 you know, I don't know if unions are the answer to all of our problems, but like, there's very clearly. Uh, a lack of transparency about what these jobs in the beer industry actually pay, right? Like, I, I've i gone on interviews and I've rarely seen the uh, salary for the job post in the job listing. Like, Oh, yeah, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that comes up like, 30 minutes into the interview where you're like, okay. And so by the way, what does this job pay? Oh, so, and, um, well, uh, <laughs> pays, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry. What? And I, you know, any <sighs> job, any job that's actually trying to recruit talent is going to be upfront about that kind of stuff. Right. Because that's what attracts people to a job. Like, right. This whole idea that craft beer is just calling and that, you know, you just got to be dedicated to the craft and at least you're in a job that you really enjoy. Like all those things can be true. And yet we can still like talk to each other about, hey, how, how what little do you, we make. What do yeah. you make? Right. Like we talk about, uh, you know, equal pay for, you know, equal work with women, with minorities. Like the reason why companies get away with that kind of stuff is because we don't talk about what we make that's taboo that's right it's considered taboo. taboo bullshit and you know it's it's not posted in the listing so you don't know like you know how many how many people not in the industry know what to it know what a brewer should expect to get for brewing uh, in los angeles right like that's not a universally known thing and the perception of what we're worth like i've had people come up to me like you know they see me working in production they're like yeah. you must make like a hundred thousand dollars a year. Ah! I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Are you Not even me? in my dreams, Are motherfucker. But the, but they're like, well, you're working so hard, and I'm like, yeah, <sighs> no, I am. I'm objectively working very hard. And there was a time in this country where like working really hard in the manufacturing job meant you got mean, yeah, fifty, no, sixty thousand nope. dollars a year. But nope. even that's not the case. Nope. In production, so. Yeah, I, it's uncomfortable to have these conversations, right? But it's uncomfortable because management has told us forever that talking about this stuff could cost you your job, right? So you just keep it down. You just don't think about it. But there's nothing wrong, something wrong about admitting uh, what you make. And, I mean, yeah, like, God, it's like the number is going through my head. But I, I wouldn't announce it. Right, right. It on a podcast because that's weird. And yeah, then- I know. It's 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 such a weird thing because like we all talk about it whenever we're all hanging out, especially at sure. those like especially like when we're all hanging out at the uh, you know the uh, uh, the beer week collab mm-hmm. uh, beer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always like joking like, oh hey, uh, how much you make last year? Oh yeah, I made enough <laughs> to like you know cover the rent and you know buy my parents. Ah, ha, ha, that's so funny, and we <laughs> always joke about it. And as, as we're chugging beer, uh, mm-hmm. so it's. We do know, and it is that running joke in brewing. In brewing, it's like, yeah, the head brewer never makes anything. <laughs> That's just how it works. Yeah, and it's, I, just, I, it's just it's this narrative I think should eventually it's got to be looked at. It's got to be looked at. 
Well, I mean, as long as we're considered part of overhead, right? Like as much as much as they can uh, keep those salaries down is as much as they can make off of selling beer, right? Like right. That's that is the arrangement. We are we're very uh, intelligent light fixtures, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're basically giants we're just basically like yeah basically like fucking um our intelligence stirrers we just stir things <laughs> yeah right like if if it could be done by robots uh that would be better you could just turn off the robots after eight hours but yeah like, yeah they're not they're, it, they're not going to complain about about taking a break in the cold box during a brew day you know right? <laughs> uh it, it's just yeah like there are breweries that have done it right. Like New Belgium is a great example, right? Mm-hmm. Of that employee owned structure and like actually giving back to the people that have been a part of making that product. And Christine, right? They, I believe they're a union situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most of us are, you know, production teams of four or five. We're going to unionize four people. The collective bargaining. We can't even pick lunch, humans. dude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's not that's not bargaining power. That's no, just no. you know, like two people on a street corner. We're on strike. Like no, that's not gonna work. <laughs> so you know, I I don't have all the answers for this, but it does feel like it's something we need to feel more comfortable talking about openly. And it's not something we really have a space to talk about this stuff, right? Like we do those collab events, we do, you know, unity brewers and stuff, and it's mostly ownership. And there's a a couple of viewers that tag along, (laughs) you know, you and I have definitely viewers at these things, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's mostly an opportunity for ownership to talk about, you know, how, what is it to own a brewery? And, you know, I can't know that. I don't really know, you know what they're going through day to day trying to keep the lights on. But, like, I do know what it is to live in Los Angeles. And you're going to offer a 40-hour-a-week job that, like, can't pay for a studio apartment? Like, that doesn't seem <sighs> yeah, fair. It does at all. That doesn't seem right. But that's the reality for a lot of brewers. Yeah. With no end in sight. With so, no end in sight, unless I, I just keep going on podcasts and stirring the shit and probably hearing it <laughs> from management when I go on tomorrow. So Josie, world champ, so huh? Josie. World champ, huh? You're the world champ. Uh, uh you know the champ is here, baby. And <laughs> she is ready to lay the smacketh down um, for all those who do not know their role. Um, and will not shut their Rudy Poo mouths. Um, <laughs> their Rudy Poo. Um, have you been watching any? Have you, did you watch NXT uh, last last week? Did you watch? Was it? No, it was Tuesday. Did you watch the Super Tuesday thing? Uh, you know, I've been slipping on my wrestling watching. I've been following mostly through Twitter lately. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Bailey came out in uh, Hardy Boys gear, and that <laughs> made me very happy. I love Bailey uh, so much. For for the people that don't know, um, let's rewind it an hour ago when I came on the podcast. The uh, Ding Dong is a reference to my favorite wrestler uh, Bailey, uh, who like is this like pixie spirit, right? Like right. She has these the side tail, two the... men got the side ponytail. Um, and like that 
if if you know me at all, like, that's how I'm perceived, right? Like people perceive me as this fucking bubbly little cauldron of happiness and sunshine. Uh, <laughs> so like I I self identified a lot with this human, like you know, is muscly and strong, got this muscle back and like this big old booty and like goes out <laughs> and is still fun and kicks ass and like. I watched her development in NXT and she got this whole tough side and I thought that was really awesome and they brought her to the main roster and they're like, okay, do the do the pixie thing again and everyone got bored. And so they had to uh, they had to turn her just to make oh, her interesting again. And it was and it was one of the most beautiful heel turns had, I've ever seen. She stabbed the wacky inflatable tube men. Like oh, imagine. Oh, imagine magic. There's like these four wacky waving inflatable tube men, and she just like takes this spear to it. <laughs> and it's like the most overly just... dramatic <laughs> moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, since since her turn, her uh, she's had this whole ding dong catchphrase, yeah. which was like just like a, a like throwaway in an interview, right? But you never know what's gonna what's stick, gonna catch? right? Like. Yeah. And it just happened to catch, and it's become a whole thing now. And she had like this, this like awful Karen haircut. That I, think is <laughs> I, I did not like it at first, but it's 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 grown on me a little bit. It it's I mean it's it it is the living embodiment of I just took scissors and cut off this ponytail, yeah. and now yep. this is my haircut now. Yeah, and like obviously her hair has grown since then, right? Like that's no, there's no reason why it should still look that awful, but like <laughs> it's the character now, right? Yeah, like, it's just like I've thrown away this thing that you identified uh, me with for so long, and yeah, I don't know. So the, here's uh, my here's my prediction. Here's my prediction. I think yes. there's going to be a, a a ding dong pale ale, <laughs> and the way it's going to be announced is you're going to be talking about it in the meeting and out of nowhere you're going to get a steel chair you're going, whoa, 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 Josie, what are you doing? Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whack! And you just hit him in the back. Everyone's like, what? Everyone's just stunned and you're just standing over him. You have the chair in your hand you're like, ding dong! The champ is here! And then, boom, Josie heel turn. Ding dong, hello, like, heel turn. You it's still... <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's how you go uh, heal. And then so from then on, you still do, you do your normal job and you're still very nice mm, to everyone in the back. But then mm. when you're in front, you're a fucking jerk. <laughs> you just shit on everybody. Oh, Josie. The t-shirts, uh, the t-shirts sell themselves. They sell themselves. The uh, the role model t-shirts. Uh, <sighs> like, I haven't bought a wrestling shirt in a long time, but I've been very tempted to, <laughs> to invest in a role model t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I weren't so against IP theft, I totally would have. Uh, <laughs> I totally would suggest <laughs> ding dong, that. <laughs> but, ding uh, dong, Paleo. Yeah. Um, all right, now we're gonna get start winding down. Before we let you go, Josie, what did this? Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to all the beautiful people that are listening? You know, I feel like uh, working for Common Space, working in craft beer for you know three, four years now. Um, I've learned so much about what this industry is, and it's also just made me have so many more questions. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, you guys check out Common Space if you haven't already. Hopefully, uh, you keep abreast of me and my journey and see uh, where you know the future of what it, what it has for me. And 
I can tell you that anything I'm ever a part of uh, is going to kick ass because Ab. that's what I fucking do. I'm a fucking champ. That's and right. And that's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Mm. It's the fucking truth, though. Yeah. If you care about craft beer, you're going to make good craft beer. And I care about craft beer. So that's what I'm going to do. Josie, you are the champ, and I will not dispute that. I will forever kneel in front of your throne as the mm. queen of hops. <laughs> and if you listeners out there have any brains, you will do the same. Check her out on Instagram. Uh, what's your handle again? What is it? Uh, so there's Hoppy Josie because um, mm-hmm. I am the queen of hops. That's right, baby. Um, but I also recently made a handle for my dog because I got a new dog. <laughs> and so, like, I had 20 pictures of my dog. And I'm like, there will never be a picture of me again if I keep this up. So she has her own handle. It's uh, Gabby's Next Act. Um, she's an 11 year old rescue. Uh-huh. So it's, she's uh, adorable. You can, yeah, she's my whole world right now. Um, so you can get that in my profile, I'm sure. I don't know how I spell But yeah. Um, check me out on the gram, yo. That's right, Ad. It's it's a great follow, for sure. <laughs> Josie, again, thank you so much for jumping on uh, this week's show and dealing with me and my hatred for technology. Mm, um, it's all good, Joe. We're going to chat very soon and uh, talk more wrestling. So It sounds great. To Take all care, our man. listeners. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks to our listeners. Until next week. Cheers. And there you have it, folks. That was the show this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate all the support that we're getting. Um, Check out Hopped LA for all the latest news. And we have some great articles. Man, we have some great podcasts that are coming out now. Um, All of our staff is doing amazing work. So thank you to all of you uh, for supporting Hopped LA. Um, Make sure to hit up all your local breweries. Buy those four packs. Buy those crawlers. Buy all the beers, son. Go to LABrewersGuild.org to see the latest information, what you can do to help us in the fight to open our LA breweries. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Make sure to leave us those five-star reviews. Leave us those comments. We would love to hear what we can do to make this show better. Um, Until next week, my friends, on behalf of myself, on behalf of our producer, Conrad, and the rest of the Hopped LA staff, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, my friends, cheers.